the first of the four is planes of movement. So traditionally bodybuilding, which is a methodology to enhance your muscle mass uh, and definitely Australian Eastern coaches, we lean on bodybuilding methods to increase body armor for contact, particularly contact sports like Australian rules football. Hey there, welcome to the High Performance Podcast for AFL staff and athletes. Today is a very special episode. It's our top 10 Get Better Plan episodes from the year 2023. Before we start the episode, I just want to use this opportunity to thank everyone that's not only been a listener to the podcast, but of course for all the guests in 2023. We're very grateful for everyone that's been involved and really excited about 24. And if you have any recommendations for who we should have on the podcast or topics you'd like me to present on, please send them through via any of our socials and I'll add them to our sheet and calendar for the year 24. But let's get into this year. It's an awesome opportunity to reflect on the top episodes voted by you guys, the most popular Get Better Plan episodes in the year 2023. Next bit I wanted to talk about, we're living in a data-driven world. And I'm a strong believer in what you measure, you improve, all right? So, for example, if someone wants to lose weight and they use the scales as their um, measure to see how they're tracking, so let's say they want to lose 10 kilos in 10 weeks and once a week they jump on the scales, they replicate the environment as best they can, i.e., from a reliable point of view, you're stepping on the scales first thing in the morning, every Friday morning, once a week for 10 weeks. And if you're doing a training program that's specific on weight loss and you're living a lifestyle that's conducive to adapting to that program, i.e. you're sleeping well, you're looking after yourself from a mental, emotional point of view, you're you're coping with your stress and you're eating the right foods for weight loss, then you should see an incremental gain, i.e. loss in your, in your body mass over time. Coping strategies with mental and emotional stress, this can wreak havoc if you, if you don't have appropriate coping strategies on how to manage stressful situations and that's going to happen. Stress is going to be at you, whether it be poor performance on the football field or it might be not relevant with football at all. It could be just um, assignments that are due at you know, uni, at school, could be um, your work that you're doing, uh, financial stress, whatever it might be. Um, you're going to have those stresses. So you need to be able to have the coping strategies to be able to um, not have a spike in you know, heart rate, cortisol, uh, blood pressure. We need to be able to cope with those stresses and be able to respond accordingly and be able to get on top of it as soon as possible. If that lingers, that's when we start to see a negative effect on your HRV. So coping strategies around stress, make sure you look into that. Number four, what we measure, we improve, as I mentioned before. So make sure you have some form of measuring your heart rate variability or you just subjectively have a diary that you uh, answer in at the start of the day or at the end of the day on how you're feeling. The body has a huge amount of uh, intelligence and generally our heart rate variability score and how you're feeling marry up uh, over time, especially those that really pay attention to how they're eating, what they're doing, um, and how that affects them. So, you know, have some form of measuring um, and, and how you're tracking. Number five, meditate. So, these ones are more just ways that you can do to improve your your heart rate variability or improve your ability to cope with um, your training program and, and life outside of training program. So, meditation, number one, for mental health, but also for your uh, ability to concentrate and focus at your training. So, meditation, 
Uh, mindfulness would come under that. Number nine, active recovery. We can't replace movement. So to promote blood flow, one of the best things we can do is by using our muscles. So doing low-level exercise like yoga, Pilates, going for a walk, a light jog, bike ride, anything that's talking pace intensity. It's not strenuous. You should leave those sessions feeling better than when you started. That is active recovery. Uh, and out of all the things that you can invest in for your recovery, um, I still think active recovery is the most effective for athletes. Really move through range of motion, um, restore that range that you've lost from 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 the game and from that hard hard demanding training session. Let's get straight into it. Some of the key uh, areas that you want to make sure that you're ticking off to ensure that you're developing an AFL body, and that that is from a conditioning perspective, you're doing aerobic capacity work, so you're developing your critical speed over um, slow uh, aerobic efforts around 60% of your heart rate. You're developing your threshold running, so efforts that feel uh, quite hard on your uh, cardiovascular uh, system. So your heart rate will be around 90% of your max heart rate. So think of intervals like 400 meter efforts, um, 600 meter efforts, even using 200s, and you can do shorter rep running with lower rest periods, short recovery periods. So getting that heart rate up nice and high, close to our max. And then of course our repeat speed, and that's where we might start bringing in, like I talked about last week, the benefits will be around player availability. So by um, ticking off those key areas of the game, you'll be uh, a more resilient body to be able to handle the demands of how you play, um, both from a volume point of view, so your distances that you cover uh, with that um, critical speed aspect that I talked about, which is low intensity, threshold running when the game gets at its hardest. So those repeat efforts that you need to do and your heart rate gets really up, you're getting up and off the ground, you're tackling, you're uh, fending people off, you're doing a hard sprint, you're then jogging backs, that continuous intermittent nature of the game. And then, of course, the, the high-intensity work. So from a sprinting point of view, those chase-down tackles or where you're breaking away from the contest and you're moving at high speeds. Moving more to the strength and power side of things, it is a, obviously a contested game. So we want to make sure, and from an aesthetic point of view, when if you're, for those that have clicked this link and you want to develop an AFL body, maybe you don't even play the football, but you just... Um, what it look like how the athletes look rather than look like a bodybuilder or, or other type of athletes um, you might want to look like an AFL footballer which are naturally quite lean and that athletic shape that's where the strength and power program comes in so typically we'll do our volume based work to build muscle mass in higher sets and um, not in higher reps so what I mean by that at times you'll actually flip what the traditional what a traditional bodybuilding session might look like of let's say four sets of eight to twelve reps we might be doing things like eight sets of four um, with good rest period in between because we can lift at much higher intensity. So the reps that you are doing, they're going to improve your maximal force production, your your strength. And then for the footballers in our academy, this month's Get Better Plan will be all about how to safely uh, develop your athleticism for junior footballers. So we have a lot of junior footballers and we have parents of junior footballers in the academy. So I want to make sure we tackle this concept i know there's still a lot of fear and stigma around um weight training with junior football so between 12 and, and 16 years of age and i want to try and um, crush those myths so make sure that if you're confident in how to lift in the gym whether you be lifting with your son or lifting with your daughter and how to do it in a safe manner but also for those that not aren't going to the gym or haven't ac- got um, a strength conditioning coach that you've got access to how important it is to seek one and, and start working on your athleticism for those that are really keen to, to work at the top level. 
And then we have another opportunity to join our Prepare Like a Pro coaching team, um, a junior coach we're now calling it rather than an internship. So if you're a qualified strength and conditioning coach, you're looking to cut your teeth, uh, the Knox Football Club have signed on to our program. This is where I support a junior strength and conditioning coach who's looking to work at the highest level. It doesn't have to be AFL, but they want to work in elite sport. They've got a minimum of a bachelor degree in sports science. If this is you and you're interested to take on our Knox Football Club program, it is paid. You get two grand for the year, one grand pre-season, one grand in-season. Make sure to email me your CV at jack at preparelikeapro.com and I'll get back to you. I'm going to close out this application um, by middle of November. Their first session is November 16, so I want to try and wrap this up by November 10 shortlist it down to three and then those three will be forwarded to the head coach to make the decision on who's going to be the final uh, strength and conditioning coach for that program. What is tempo running? That's just simply running for distances typically. Um, so you, you'll be doing your intervals like 200 meter efforts, 150 meter efforts, 300s, 400s, 100s, 80s, 60s uh, and potentially 40 meter efforts. So you're, you're prescribing the distance, you're giving the athlete the, time, the times to hit it if you're going for more anaerobic benefit, typically you'll be um, moving at under five meters per second for male athletes. And you're, so you're not getting high speed running, you're not getting sprint distance. And your work to rest ratio is either one to one or there's some active recovery with it. So you might do an effort of 100 meters at, let's say, 20 seconds. And then you have a 20 second jog um, and then 10 seconds rest before your next rep. Pros of tempo running. So for one, when you're managing a large group, 40 to 60 athletes at times, uh, it, the simplicity is helpful. So you, 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 when you're setting up your session, uh, it's really simple to obviously set up around the oval or through the middle. Uh, if you're doing more speed efforts, um, your distance targets, and uh, it's a one-in, all-in. So you, whatever you're getting your athletes to do, or you might manipulate it if you break them up into groups, being on their fitness levels, which would be leaning a little bit on the MAS method, which I'll talk about in a second. But if you're getting them all to run 150s, you might just break them up into three running groups, your fast guys, your, your, your um, middle group, and then your least quickest at the end. And they've just got different times that you're trying to um, get them to aim for uh, or you're manipulating their rest periods. So that could be one pro of tempo-based prescription is it's very simple cons it's not objective and uh you're not you're probably not getting as consistent of a meth of a training stimulus as you are with mas prescription so what i mean by that is typically when we're doing tempo running let's say to repeat 150s and you're getting the group to run those in 25 second reps for some that's nearly an all-out uh sprint and that for others that's a, a relatively it's uh, still a hard effort, but it might be pretty cruisy for them, especially if they're going on the minute. They're well, well, well recovered. So you're not individualizing it to that athlete's physical profile. So typically, tempo running will challenge the middle uh, athletes. Uh, it will be too hard for the um, less fit or, or not as fast athletes, depending on the program you're doing for the day. Uh, and it won't be challenging enough for your, for your best athletes. For them, it will be in the, within their um, comfort zone. Moving over to MAS and ASR, so, to, so maximum aerobic speed is simply um, something that you can use by doing a minimum of a six-minute test. That seems to be the standard for what the research tells us to it compares with working out your uh, as a 
you know, maximal test. So you run six minutes and run as far as you can. Or for most footballers, um, that would be a 2K time trial for male athletes because they'll get between that six and seven minutes or, or six to eight minutes, depending on what level you're at. Um, so that can cover for uh, junior athletes, female athletes, or um, some or a group of athletes that you think that 2K is too long, i.e. that the tests will go potentially up to 10 minutes or, or above eight, then just go with a six-minute run as far as you can. And then from there, you can work out the distance they got and just divide that by the time. So if they ran 1,400 metres, divide that by 360 to work out the average speed that the athlete was moving at, and that's their MAS time. The anaerobic speed reserve, where you find out your MAS from, from your time trial, the fitness test, and then either if you're wearing GPS or you do a flying 40 uh, metre, we work out your max velocity, so how fast you can move. So let's say you're at the MAS is 5 metres per second. Your max velocity, the fastest that GPS has tracked, is 9 metres per second. Your anaerobic speed reserve is the number between those two. So for that athlete, it would be 4 metres per second. And that just gives us an idea of um, how to prescribe for your repeat speed efforts. So for some, when we're doing those high-intensity efforts, MAS is not enough because obviously that's an aerobic dominant test for doing your MAS testing. So for those that are uh, more geared and uh, their athlete profile is more geared to longer distance running. Um, MAS works really well for those interval-based days. First tip to improve your 2K time trial, uh, know your current capacity and make sure you've got an idea of what your maximal aerobic speed is. Uh, and that's really, really important. There's no point following a program uh, if you're just following targets or following the running partner all the time uh, and your running partners are changing or you're following a different workout every time some days you're just going hard off field. Other days you're going easy because you're feeling uh, not that motivated. We want to make take the emotions out of it and have a really clear program um, that is structured, progressively overloaded, but more importantly, specific to your capacity. So to work out your uh, maximum aerobic speed, the research shows a minimum of a six-minute max distance run. It would be the least amount of time to be able to get an idea of what that maximum aerobic speed is to have an idea of how we can improve your VO2 max. So six minutes will be the minimum. Uh, you can do anywhere between six and 10 minutes to get that same effect. Number two, particularly for those that have got a, already a, quite a fast 2K time trial. So if you listen to this and your 2K time trials between six minutes and seven minutes, repeat speed day is really, really important in your program because you're already moving at a pretty quick pace uh, to get that time. So we want to be working uh, at above your um, max maximal aerobic speed um, by at least 20%. So you're working at 120% if you're using MAS. I like to work out your anaerobic speed reserve for more repeat speed days, particularly because uh, you may have a really good, uh, a really average 2K time trial, but you're super fast. So for those guys, it's really important that we've got to understand what their max speed is. Otherwise, the repeat speed data we program, if we just go off their 2K time trial, will be far too easy and we're not going to get the stimulus to really challenge repeat speed day so um, you can work out what's called their anaerobic speed reserve if you google that um, your uh, my blog post will pop up tip number three something that probably gets overlooked a lot and that's the importance of flexibility and mobility to be able to get in really efficient shapes okay so we've, i've talked about the importance of a running technique in the past um, something that i think gets overlooked is flexibility so making sure that you are getting some stretching in and also tissue health. So if you're following an intense program, we want to make sure that you're, you're um, looking after your ITB, 
your calves, uh, your feet, uh, quads, adductors, these muscles that are um, being uh, constantly pushed to adapt need to also make sure that you're working in. You're not just constantly working out all the time. So um, I would recommend uh, getting a deep tissue massage once a week, doing um, PNF stretching, particularly partner stretching if you can, uh, to get a deeper stretch. Uh, if you can't, then just use some thick resistance bands to be able to uh, get that deeper stretch, particularly important for stretching your hip flexors and your quads. Tip number four, um, days where your joints are sore, so that bad pain um, that I've talked about in the past. So we're not talking about muscle soreness. Um, we're not talking about um, just feeling body fatigue or feeling low on motivation. We're talking about actually sore, like a sore knee, uh, a sore foot, um, maybe early onset of uh, shin splints, um, whatever it might be, and maybe it's an old injury um, that you've had in the past, we want to um, make sure we knit that in butt straight away and don't just push through that, um, particularly if it's an overload-type um, injury. We want to make sure we want to prevent at all costs, obviously, a stress fracture in the feet uh, or shin splints because they can be diabolical to your um, running fitness and obviously pre-season. So, um when you do get those early signs, the body does tend to let us know before it's a um, significant injury. I would go straight into your backup options of having some good aerobic swim workouts uh, or bike workout. Tip number five, uh, probably something that most of you would be doing already, but for some of you that don't, make sure you actually practice the test that your club does. So if you hear that they do it, they're changing to a 10-minute run and you've never gone for a 10-minute run before, I would be regularly doing um, that perhaps maybe a month out from your actual test with your football club. So practice your pacing, practice from a mental point of view, preparing for that and, and doing all out max effort um, and yeah, make sure you're familiar with the test before doing it with your football club. That's something that can be really important because as we know, um, yes, it is a test of your aerobic capacity, um, but it's also a test of your ability to um, get the most out of yourself, not over- um, compete, get too competitive early and um, hit a wall. <clears throat> but equally, we also don't want to overpace and have too much left at the end where you, you could have uh, worked a lot harder. So that where, that's where the pacing comes in. Number six, mimic your training environment. Um, so we want to think about where, where you're going to be running that test with football club. Is it going to be a track? Is it going to be on a football oval? And if so, train at least once a week in that environment. So if you know it's going to be on a on a track and field, then train um, your aerobic um, or long, longer interval day on that day, um, particularly when max distance efforts pops up, like maybe a three-minute three max distance effort and you've got a target you want to hit, um, do it on that exact train. Ideally, try and get some players down so you can mimic competing with each other and running with people around you. Um, think about your running shoes, um, your attire, how you hydrate, how you eat leading up to that. Tip number seven have a target and use the running calculator, um, which is a link I'll add into the show notes of this podcast. It's fantastic. You've got all your, I'm just looking at it now for those on YouTube. You've got your, um, all, everywhere from between 5, 10K, half marathon, marathon, 800 meters, 1500, all the way through to 2K time trial. Um, you can enter in the distance. Then you can enter in the time that you want to hit, minutes and seconds. And then it will give you your split times that you need to hit. So if you're running a 400-meter track, uh, and let's say I'll just enter in someone that wants to hit a 6-minute 35, for 400 meters, they want to be averaging a 1-minute 19 uh, lap time. So 
that can be really, really important in terms of helping your pacing. So this is an annual planning program for what sounds like a very similar um, situation that you've you've got yourself in, mate, in terms of a, a local football club. They're not professional athletes, um, but they're pretty serious about what they do and, and you want to maximise their return on, on investment from a time point of view. So I've broken down, this is an annual planning, basic annual periodization. Um, but it's a good go-to. I find it's really helpful to reference my annual periodization when I'm doing my weekly blocks, monthly blocks, um, because I can look at um, what areas of we identified um, as important, and therefore they can influence um, what areas, what you know, physiology from clinical point of view. What am I trying to chase, and then what am I trying to maintain? And that's the challenge of football as well. Is you, you're not going to go through like linear periodization. It's going to be um, something where you're, you're doing a lot of uh, a little bit of everything. Uh, at once and there's nothing wrong with that so very different to how a power lift or a weight lift would change or, or a track and field would train um, yeah once you've mapped out your, your annual plan uh, your, your rough training load prescription um, so what you measure you'll improve but also you it's important that you've, you're getting some sort of feedback back from the athletes to see how they're coping with the program so you're not too rigid with your annual plan you're actually adjusting it um, and you're agile um, with your prescription to how the athletes are on that day uh, and then you know, plan out your conditioning sessions with the dates appropriate to tie in with those uh, sessions that you've done. So like I mentioned, I'm more than happy to share this spreadsheet, mate. If you've listened to this recording, hit me up or anyone that's listening to this recording, if, if, you, if this would help you, I'm uh, more than happy to share. That's what the, the Get Better Plan is all about, is helping high-performance staff um, with their coaching and their programming. We're going to go back to the uh, presentation now where I'll just quickly talk about my top 10 tips be very brief and then i'll hang around for some questions okay so i started as a personal trainer did my certificate three and four for six years and i think that's where i would recommend most people start um, before going into their sports science degree get used to your organizational skills and also your coaching ability so the ability to be able to um, structure a training session for someone or a group of athletes or uh, general population take them through the hour uh, and give them an affecting training system, but also to effectively um, sell them the program and practice that because uh, it definitely isn't a skill. Then from there, speak out with strength conditioning coaches that you want to be like. Um, so for me, I caught up family connection with Luke Boyd, who was the head strength conditioning coach of the Hawthorne Football Club at the time. Uh, he's predominantly looking after their gym program, their strength and power program. And it was great to catch up for him for coffee and that actually eventually led to me working at Box Hill Hawks through another connection, a, a friend that was I was going to uni with that had nothing to do with Luke Boyd. But when I saw Boydie on game day uh, at Box Hill, it definitely helped with having a foot in the door at Hawthorne. So um, build your, your networks early in your career, uh, even if before you even start your sports science degree, um, because you'll get a bit of an idea of what it's like to work in different sports and, and what resonates best with you. This week on the podcast, we have Carmen Colmer. She's the current head of performance at Perth, um, and she will be discussing um, Perth Glory. Sorry, she'll be dis discussing uh, training load and how recovery, best recovery methods, should um, be informed from the training load of the athletes. So make sure to tune into that one if you're into your sports science, but also your high performance uh, manager um, position. Carmen's got a wealth of experience all around the world uh, in those um, roles. So make sure to tune in on Tuesday at one o'clock. We also have Luke Rooney. That will be our Wednesday podcast. I released that a little bit earlier. Um, we had that podcast a couple of weeks ago. So that will be published on Wednesday. 
He has the Rugby Academy program and he's one of our Prepare, Prepare Like a Pro Coaches Academy members. So it was great to have our first member on the podcast. Uh, so make sure to tune in on Wednesday for that episode. Nick Murray, who's the head of sports science at Melbourne Football Club. So great to have another colleague on the show. He'll be talking about everything you need to know from a sports science point of view. So as I mentioned with Carmen, if you're, it's a big sports science week on the podcast this week on the Prepare Like a Pro Live chat show. So make sure if you're interested to tune in and listen to Nick's not only career journey, but also that key topic that will be on Thursday at 2 p.m. And then we've, as I announced last week, Caleb Morgan has joined our Prepare Like a Pro coaching team. He's got a wealth of experience in the Western Bulldogs. He'll be looking after our athletes who live in the western suburbs of Melbourne. He recently joined our team and is looking after athletes uh, currently. He'll be on the podcast um, just to basically share his coaching journey, and that will be at 4 p.m. on Thursday as well. So three live chat show. And then Friday, we've got a quick update as well. We've moved our Sunday bite-sized episodes where I just basically release either a 10-minute podcast from the collab events that I do from time to time on a key topic or from an old episode that I did over a year ago to bring it back to life and give you a 10-minute snippet of those episodes because we had some great guests back then and, and there and that because we're pumping out so many uh, episodes of the podcast, they can tend to get missed. So I just want to bring them back to your attention. So if you enjoy that 10-minute episode this week it's with Lock and Wilmot on Friday instead of Sunday now so we have episodes released on Monday Wednesday and Friday uh, from on our podcast if you love it make sure to um, listen to the whole episode as I mentioned we did over a year ago the power tip for this week is start to maximize this is just a productivity tip start to maximize your time in transport if you're driving or if you're catching public transport with these three areas it'll educate yourself Podcast is a great uh, opportunity to do that. Obviously, it's audio, so you don't need to be watching it. You can have your eyes on the road. Uh, if it's not educating yourself, it's connecting with family, friends, and colleagues. So phone calls are a great time to do in the car. Um, and then for another product to be tip, it might just be simply reflecting on either how that training session went for the athletes or for the coaches, how the day went from the programming and, uh, and how you delivered that program, so reflecting on your work. I find that's something I've, I've done um, quite regularly over the last year. It's been really intentional with the time in the car, working in Melbourne. We drive a fair bit going out to Casey Fields. So, um, oh, oh, yeah, there's at least an, an hour and a half there that I could use effectively. <clears throat> and at times, of course, you're going to be cooked and you're just going to listen to the music and switch off. Um, but majority of the time, I'd say 80% of the time, I try and use that time effectively. And it's um, definitely made life easier. So, um if you can utilize time in the car, um, it's a it's a big win for those that are time poor. So give it a go. If it's helpful, let me know what you get up to. What's your favorite out of those three? Is it connecting? Is it uh, educating? Or is it reflecting? And I'll see you guys on the next week. Well, let's get straight into it. The first of the four is planes of movement. So traditionally bodybuilding, which is a methodology to enhance your muscle mass uh, and Definitely, Australian Eastern coaches, we lean on bodybuilding methods to increase body armor for contact, particularly contact sports like Australian rules football. So although we do lean on the philosophy, planes movement is fairly uh, irrelevant for bodybuilders because the, the whole idea is to be able to focus on your aesthetics, whereas for Australian rules football, it's 360 degrees. You need to ha- be able to be agile, mobile, to pick up ground balls, um, 
be able to sidestep opponents and of course lay tackles so if you're um, doing traditional bodybuilding movements you'll notice that they're very up and down in nature thinking squats push-ups chin-ups whereas as footballers we do those movements as fundamental because they're really good for improving your maximal force production really good for improving your explosive power because uh, they're super stable and they prioritize using your large muscle groups number two out of the four key tips for for those wanting to gain body armor but also maintain your on-field performance is make sure to use your full range of motion particularly in pre-season where we are trying to add that critical mass uh, on athletes there isn't the game day load um, on a weekly basis so the first half of the week we're not spending majority of the time on recovery we can we can get some good sessional load in both on the field and in the gym so therefore, by going through full range of motion, it's going to be really good from a stimulus point of view for those who want to gain muscle mass. So f- for example, let's say you're doing a push-up rather than working on explosive power, we might do half range to be able to produce force as quick as possible. We want to go slow and controlled, so think of time and tension on the way down and make sure the chest goes all the way through to the ground. Now, if you're doing that comfortably, to increase the range of motion, you might have your hands on weight plates for that push-up so now you're getting through even further range of motion really stretching out your pecs and that's going to elicit a better uh, growth stimulus for those uh, chest muscles as well as your back and shoulders number three maximal loads and explosive movements so we don't want to just lift 12 reps on the leg press like a bodybuilder would do where they would progressively overload how many how much weights on the bar uh, uh, the time of detention um, but the exercise would, would stay the same for us at times you'll, you'll work on those rep ranges maybe in the off season but once we get into in season we ought to be focusing on keeping our reps under 10 and focusing on progressively overloading your fundamental movements so those big movements that you're doing in the gym the more bodybuilding power building movements we're not focusing on hypertrophy we're focusing on building your strength so how, how much force you can produce into the ground how much force you can produce with your pressing movements to help things like jumping acceleration and fend off so for our key lifts we're thinking athleticism and then we want to contrast those with explosive movements i think med ball throws plyometrics jumps so all those big ticket items we're prioritizing their athleticism number four bracing sorry i was just checking my notes there bracing is the key so we want to be focusing on pushing out and expanding rather than sucking in like you're trying to impress someone on the beach tops off and you're trying to show your six pack so it's for our compound lifts which will really help you for the contest for being able to maintain your feet be able to push people off uh, and jo- and and really jostle your, your way to dominate the contest not about six-pack training like crunches and um, doing side raises and hanging leg raises and things or those though although they have their place their accessories they typically we do them at the end of the program where we want to work on our uh, athleticism to help with our uh, midline we're thinking things where you have to actually brace and expand so think about uh, pushing out um, with your trunk not sucking in okay so we're pushing out so things like um, heavy your heavy lifts so box squats particularly any weight that, that's on your spine we want to be bracing really strong and focusing on your trunk firstly for opportunities we have three available junior coaching roles uh, at a local football club so we've got one with the upway men's uh, strength and conditioning role with upway Tacoma senior men's program and then we've got two a recent uh, signing we signed on Knox football club Melbourne based uh, local club 
They're playing Australian rules football and they're looking for a junior coach for their men's program as well as their senior women's program. So if that interests you, I'm pretty eager to sign up and find that right person as quickly as possible. So if you're interested, please email me at jack at preparelapapro.com as I'm uh, as I mentioned, eager to get someone onboarding that program as quickly as possible, but also want to find the right fit as well for the club. So if you're interested, email me, jackatpreparelikeapro.com, and we'll have a quick chat. I'm going to shortlist down to two to three coaches of who I think is most qualified and the best fit for the club to represent Prepare Like a Pro, and then the club, either president or head coach of either program, will uh, catch up with that practitioner or uh, have a chat over the phone and make the final decision. So we're looking to sign that person up by middle of November. It's This podcast is released on the 13th, so I'm going to give everyone a week uh, to get your submissions through and really looking forward to finalising our theme for Pellet Pro. I've got a favour to ask any listeners of the podcast. I'll be looking to um, organise some collaborative events and I've listed four different topics that I'd like to uh, host and they are a combat so working with um, either rugby experience or um, taekwondo MMA anyone that's come from a wrestling background that have worked in elite sports so hosting some uh, practitioners that have worked in rugby and mainly Australian rules football from a combat point of view so their roles that were quite popular before COVID unfortunately due to football departments being reduced since the pandemic um, they haven't been able to um, finance these type of roles, so no doubt they're coming back over the next couple of years. So I thought it'd be a good time to share the skill sets of those coaches in Melbourne. So that's a topic I'm pretty eager to book in. Velocity-based training, hot topic has been for the last few years. Um, so if you're interested in velocity-based training, you think that would be a good collaborative event to do, let me know. Uh, tempo versus maximal aerobic speed prescription seems to be a pretty hot topic at the moment. So that's a, a collaborative event that I'd be pretty eager to to host. And then the coordinative based movements. So Franz Bosch and his team are coming here at the end of the year. And uh, I'd love to have uh, a few of his practitioners on uh, to discuss how coordinative based movements can assist the traditional strength conditioning program for field-based athletes. So let me know either through our socials or by email which of those four that you'd be most interested in listening to and uh, I'll do my best to reach out to guests that specialise in those areas and book it in for December and then uh, as they're all hot topics I'll, I'll fit in the next three for next year um, from February onwards. An update for this week we have Kelvin Giles as I mentioned his blo- blog post on an athlete development model so make sure to check that out uh, for our November monthly blog post this week's podcast, we have Nick Kane, the head physiotherapist and SM Football Club on at 4.30pm. Our interview with Tyson Popplestein will be published on our podcast on Wednesday. And on Sunday, our bite-sized episode with Ben Parker, the dietitian of the Gold Coast Suns, will be released. So if you're interested in that working um, or developing sorry, your nutrition uh, to either gain muscle mass, maintain your body weight and work on recovery, optimize recovery, or you want to reduce your body fat, Ben provides a huge amount of practical tips around recipes and, and his methods um, with the Gold Coast Sun athlete. So make sure you tune in this Sunday and if you like the bite side, then listen to the whole episode. And then we've got our power tip this week. Really simple one for anyone that listens to podcasts, which you can listen to this in the podcasting world. 
uh, a tip that was provided to me that's massively uh, increased uh, efficiency of listening to podcasts is changing the setting to 1.2 times. For some um, that have been doing that for a while, they've actually upgraded that to uh, 1.5 um, in terms of how far the speed and you listen to that content. Uh, 1.2 I find is a sweet spot where I can still obviously understand what they're saying. 1.5 I find way too far things to um, turn the words to gibberish for, for my listening and that this time, but hopefully in a year's time, maybe I can find it coherent at 1.5 times. But if you're listening to podcasts at one time, um, try it at 1.2 and see how it goes. I think it's a massive time saver and it's actually a lot more engaging by speeding up the uh, audio. So have a go and let me know what you think. And for anyone interested in joining our strength conditioning program, make sure to head over to propellerpro.com where you have a free 14-day trial. I'll see you guys on the next Propeller Pro Live Chat Show. Thanks for tuning in first key area uh, from an AFL strength and power point of view is developing general athleticism. So as we know, in the gym, it's not going to um, specifically transfer onto the field, i.e. to get better at football, you need to be playing football and training the traits of football uh, from a tactical, technical point of view. So what we are doing is improving the general athleticism, i.e. how high you can jump, uh, your acceleration, your um, strength, your uh, critical mass, so your body mass, specifically increasing muscle mass. So we're improving that general uh, mobility, uh, coordination, so general athleticism. Uh, and if you do a good enough job, one, it's going to make football easier, the better athlete you are, but also uh, hopefully allow you to perform at a higher level within your team and, and um, play your best football. Then from an injury mitigation point of view, developing resilient, robust athletes, We'll make sure we're getting some hamstring, uh, eccentric hamstring work in there. So um, some single leg slide outs, some Nordics, some weighted Nordics, uh, glute, um, uh, single leg back extensions. Um, so anything where we're trying to work on um, developing the strength through our hammies. Uh, we want to have good exercises uh, challenging our lumbopelvic control. So that's where the unilateral work can come in, uh, making sure we've got good uh, understanding of our uh, hip lock. Uh, and also our rib cage. Um, so being in that hip hike position and also being able to keep our ribs down and not flaring out the back. Um, so things like a single leg squat, uh, we can work on standing on a plate and doing a hip lock with a press overhead to challenge the rib connection control. Last part, periodization, simply our planning. Um, typically, if we're in in-season mode, which we are with this recording, we want to be quite agile in the gym, making sure we're keeping our finger on the pulse on how the athletes are feeling and really finding that sweet spot between maximizing the stimulus to ensure that we're building robust athletes and we're maintaining consistency and consistent load uh, and intensity would be the priority. But also we want to make sure we're giving them a chop out when they uh, are showing signs of potentially um, being off for that day. So whether it be they had a huge field session um, their joints are sore, maybe they're an older athlete or they're a younger athlete. So taking in some individual um, details into account and um, you might not be changing the exercise, but you might just be talking about the importance of slowing them down that day and focusing on really quality movement and naturally you might be stripping a bit of weight off or you might just be reducing the range of motion for them, so a higher box that they're box squatting. Come on attention, this is something that generally gets overlooked and it can be quite challenging with a main with a big group, but chip away at it uh, definitely can um, be worth your while when educating athletes especially when you get to work in smaller groups on what tempo means and, and how it can impact their trading and their athlete development 
but what I'll think about when I'm programming is thinking of how do I want to influence the stretch shortening cycle? So do we want to target more muscle development or do we want to t- challenge more tendon involvement? So an example would be if we're trying to get um, muscle hypertrophy, we're trying to build size, build bulk on the athlete, build their body armor, then as you can see here, depending on the tempo that you prescribe, you could you could program 12 reps. Always remember that it is GPP, not sport specific, so understand when to pull back. If, if you're absolutely um, overworking an athlete that's super fatigued and the actual football training is uh, negatively affected towards that, then you need to make sure that you're programming um, appropriate loads that's going to allow that athlete to perform with uh, their football training because that is their specific training. That is where they're going to get the most amount of um, benefits from is by doing the football training. So our work as strength conditioning physical preparation coaches is all general. In that the transferability, there are there may be some. We're not we're not. It's hard to actually prove that there that there definitely there definitively is. We know that it, it potentially can make uh, life easier for a footballer when they're fit, when they're strong, when they're powerful, when they're fast. Replace a deload week week with an intro week apart from grand final and combine, for example. So deload week can be quite a dangerous term. It's also like things like um, you, you're educating the athlete that you know, this week doesn't matter as much, potentially. Um, we're just freshening up, things like that. We want to watch, uh, be mindful with the, with the words that you use. I think if you call it an intro week instead, majority of the time, so we're introducing new exercises in this week. And that's why we've reduced the volume, we're reducing intensity because we're getting used to those new movements. So it, yes, we know from a physical point of view, it's still a delayed week. But from the athlete's perspective, there's no such thing as a delayed week. It's actually just an intro week. So they're still excited. They're still feeling like, oh, we're getting better. We're striving towards improvement. Whereas if a delayed week, there's a there's potential perspective, perception um, that this is a time where I can just relax. Um, yeah, I can switch off. Flip your sets and, and reps when it comes to accumulation block. So typically... When you're looking at programs, you'll see three sets is probably the most commonly programmed. And if someone's working on strength, they'll do five reps. If they're working on power, they'll do three. If they're working on hypertrophy, they'll do 12. When we're in the off season and we want to focus on our accumulation block, we want a really strong strength and power stimulus of those sets of reps. The like I just mentioned before, rather than doing three sets of five, it's five sets of three. Rather than doing three sets of 12, it's 12 sets of three. Okay, so you're still getting 36 reps but the intensity of the athlete can lift that, both from movement but also percentage of their 1RM is going to be far greater. So the total tonnage that you're lifting, which is your the weight that you've got on the bar times the reps that you perform in that uh, session, is going to be a hell of a lot higher. The um, technique of every rep is going to be much greater because you know, you're moving, you know, there's not as much density. You don't have to follow the program to be fluid, adjust to suit the athlete. So, and this is where Bruce Lee, be water, my friend, is really applicable. At times, we can spend so much time and energy on our programming that we become too rigid when we're then uh, facilitating that session. Rarely will I have the the planned session, particularly when it comes to field based training, and I won't adjust it. There might be the times that I'm asking the athlete to run those 100 meter tempo efforts at. It might be um, the amount of time we've spent on doing agility work. You might progress it. They're absolutely crushing that movement. They're understanding what we're trying to get out of it from a technical point of view. 
So it's, you change the drill, you progress into the next agility, change direction, other drill. There might be some sprinting mechanics that you're working on, and you're doing one and two switches, and then now so you progress to triple switch. Or they're on the wall, and they're the first time coaching them, young athletes, and their uh, ankle stiffness and hip locks fantastic on the wall, so you progress them to the down stick overhead. Whatever it might be, you're constantly trying to progress or regret them to where they are that day. Thank you for tuning in. Don't sign off yet. I've got a special giveaway for those loyal listeners from the year 2023. If you rank top 10, top 5, or our number one listener, as in our podcast was your number one, top 5, or top 10 in the Spotify wrap this year of 2023, I would love to know. Please send me the screenshot via socials, or you can email me at jackgallicbro.com, or even better, just tag us on your Instagram story and I've got a free 30-minute consult where we, if you're a coach, we can talk about your career progressions, your business, or of course, if you're a football, we can talk about how we can attack your goals for season 2024. So that's something I want to give back to those uh, special listeners from the year 23. Thanks for tuning into our top 10 episodes and I look forward to seeing you in 2024.